My name is Austin Clark, and I'm delighted to be your host for this episode of the Agilisys podcast. In this episode, we're going to focus on the partnership between Agilisys and Sirocco, the leading provider of process discovery, task mining, and process transformation solutions. Specifically, we'll discuss how the two organizations are coming together to accelerate automation and improve citizen experiences through the use of technology that enables public sector organizations to make genuine data-driven decisions on what, where, and how to focus their automation and transformation efforts. Joining me to share their insights on this topic are three excellent guests. Chris Doddridge is Vice President of Sales for EMEA at Sirocco. Nina Atwell is Automation Lead at Agilisys. And last but by no means least, Simon Perks is the Agilisys Intelligent Automation and Operations Partner. Welcome all. So Chris, first question is for you, and it's really to, to set some background for the rest of the conversation. Can you tell us more about Sirocco and your technology? Fantastic, yeah, thanks for uh, kicking off with that. So yeah, Chris Doddridge, VP of Sales for EMEA for Sirocco. Sirocco is a business that, that's focused on probably what we believe is one of the biggest challenges in business, is around identifying human behavior and how people work within organizations. We actually started as a, an automation company, um, the complete opposite to low code, high code automations that were challenging some of the, the biggest challenges that businesses faced. But very early on, we saw that there was a huge need for discovery technology that actually diagnosed and detected where automation opportunity existed, not necessarily the realization of those automation outcomes. So that was where Scout, our flagship product was born. Um, and ultimately, in its early days, it was very much looking for those high volume, manual repetitive tasks at an end user desktop level that could then become fantastic candidates for automation. But then we realized, I think we we're building something a lot bigger than that, which is what we actually term as the work graph. And the work graph is essentially like the Google Maps for business processes, understanding how we can map out how every organization works and how ultimately we can then help diagnose larger change programs. And when I mean larger change programs, every organization that, that, that exists, both public sector and commercial, are looking to do a number of different things that are very similar. Reduce costs to serve, uh, increase the employee and the customer or the citizen experience, and most importantly, drive wholesale efficiency gains, often by doing the same with less. Um, and that was where the work graph was born. Um, Sirocco ultimately has been recognized as the, the market leader within the task mining sector. Uh, and we've recently just released a, a playbook for the entire industry sector around the principles of task mining, seeing as it's a very early market sector. Uh, and that's just been released with Everest as well. Fantastic. And, and Simon and Nina, based on what Chris has said there, why partner with Sirocco and why bring them into the Agilisys product offering? Well, first, Austin, I think it's worthwhile mentioning that um, Sai and I work on the automation team at Agilisys, obviously, and for us, our main goal is to help our customers automate so that they can do more with less and become more efficient. So in order to help our customers select the processes that are fit for automation, we need to understand how work gets done. So traditionally, we'd begin any engagement with a discovery exercise, and in the past, this would involve loads of engagement workshops and interviews to, re to deduce what processes basically look like. Um, and to see what the quantum of effort involved in each one is. Um, whilst this process worked and we got there in the end, um, I think there needs to be a more efficient and accurate way of doing this, and this is where Scout comes in. Thank you for that. We, we deliberately set out to look for a partner to work in this space, partly because we know that our customers and um, in turn their citizens are 
under an immense amount of pressure do more with less we, we know that they've got all the pressure in the world and all the pent-up demand but they've got smes who aren't available and who we need more than ever to be able to understand how we can help them where we, we spent the better part of six months talking to different providers both with traditional rpa vendors who have tried to come into this space um, a bit like chris said said earlier they've started with an idea of yeah we think this will solve it but they haven't really matured that into something that really ticks all of the boxes um, we've looked at some that just look at what's in the application log well i could have got that out of the application log i don't need a new tool to go and do that what what we were particularly interested in is the bits in between so the the the, the gray areas where people know effort is being spent but isn't necessarily quantified in the application itself but is really where all the richness and uh, power is that can be leveraged if we can turn it into genuine insight. That, that for me, is why we ended up partnering with Chris and the Sirocco team, because actually those are the parts where we get that richness and fidelity of data to allow us to then be able to make better data-driven decisions for how we can best help our partner organisations, be that what needs to be automated, what needs to be better trained, what needs to be kind of traditional optimization um, and how that can both inform their programs their target operating model anything um, to do that and, and doing it in a way that's far more cost effective than the traditional way that nina described yeah thanks si. and just to add to that i just want to say that you know we want our clients to be empowered to make the best possible strategic decisions and we really think that scout is the answer our traditional discovery method was thorough but we know that most of the time technology is more accurate than human beings Human testimonies only take you so far and often aren't detailed enough and only represent a proportion of the picture. So with Scout, we know that it's accurate. The technology mimics clicks and actions, giving you the most accurate representation of a process flow and then goes a step further and maps it all out for you. So the level of detail is superior and it's extremely efficient, allowing you to sample a bigger proportion of your organization. The other thing for me is that we work predominantly with the public sector, a sector that's already stretched in terms of time and resource, and people simply don't have enough hours in the day to put aside big chunks of time to engage with our teams to uncover exactly what's going on. Scout runs in the background, therefore minimizing the time investment. I think one of the things I'd just add to that as well, though, is talking about it from the Soroka angle, we very intentionally equally want to work with Agilisys for a very good reason. You know, those challenges you share, you know those challenges implicitly with your customer base and with the organizations that you interact with. You know, we are a discovery company, and whilst we provide accelerants to how we can help leverage those big change programs and automation being a very key one of them, we actually don't have the skills, expertise, or resources to go and help deliver that realization outcome. So actually, is the, the kind of marriage there is that we can detect actually wholesale opportunities to, 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 um, to transform but actually that's where Agilisys can have a really sharp knife then in terms of really targeting those change programs that ultimately will make the biggest benefit to the end customer. So yeah, I think it's a, it's a fantastic partnership. Excellent, thank you. And, and you know, does this marriage mean that you, know, you can go to public sector organizations and unlock more of the potential of automation than, than ever before? And, and of following on from that, does it mean that the, the surface of what's possible is only being scratched at the moment? Um, very much so, and especially if people are talking directly to the vendors themselves. And this is where, this is where we've always um, had the most impact, both with things like our collaboration forum or with 
kind of the domain expertise that kind of Chris has just alluded to. Where, where, if you talk directly to a vendor, they're going to talk to you about finance, HR, IT, think, things that are ubiquitous, whether you're talking to um, a council, an NHS trust or a bank, because they, they, they play to the kind of common sensibility of what to understand. And therefore, they're, they're typically the places where people start first. We, we know that there are areas within let's take councils as a specific example where actually there's absolutely things that are that those low-hanging fruit that can be easily automated but getting under the skin of those and, and being able to really get that breadth of understanding because they're not doing one thing a million times like a bank they're, they're far more broad but have less depth which means understanding the business case and where that can be actually driven um, again allows those leaders to make those that have that data and insight to then be able to make informed decisions rather than actually um, a marketing promise or a sales pitch around a particular area and how that might look across the entire organization to generate a more structured program of work rather than just quick hit or kind of tactical deployments of automation in particular. Um, but then once you've got that richness of uh, understanding of what's going on in your organization, how could you then move people around to better group tasks together? How can you then use that to actually inform how you might deliver the service itself? Um, th those are things that are, we're keen to kind of see, be seen brought forward going forward as well. Are there any examples where you see this working and at its best? Um, so I, I think there are, and I think there are some areas in particular where we know they've got the, the largest amount of challenge. And if I think um, acro across our three kind of core verticals in the first instance, in, in a council, that might be in adults and, so, and social care and children's, where, where social workers' time, we know that upwards of 70% of their time is being spent doing admin. But we need to be able to quantify and understand where the rest of that effort's being spent. We know in policing, where they're under immense pressure with both 111 and 999 calls to actually help uh, do the after work of what's involved with handling a call. We, we know that in the majority of uh, both trusts and GPs, for example, um, that the amount of admin just to manage the electric care backlog or the actual current patient record um, is immense. But in none of those areas do SMEs have time to just free that up and say, well, as, as Nina alluded to, come and spend three hours in a workshop getting us to understand it. That's still not going to get us the level of insight we would do if we were able to just run Soroka in the background for a few months understand exactly what's happening and when and see all those variations um, and understand what's actually happening. Um, and by doing it, also removing any of the traditional things that are all kind of associated with that type of discovery, you, you immediately get the insertion of observation bias. People follow the best practice all of a sudden or make sure that it's all whiter than white when actually we know natural human behavior will take over when they're used to this just running in the background therefore they're not thinking about it so we we get to understand how they're working because they've probably found more efficient ways to work we want to understand those so we can then work out how that might fit into standard operating procedure what evolutions of that might need to be done um, or indeed how we can automate that if that's the outcome that we want to go down just just kind of expanding on that very briefly you just talked about the stretch of frontline workers, you know, serving their citizens, and then you're also asking them for, you know, their SMEs to give you more of their time to kind of diagnose upstream, you know, frontline challenges. You know, that that's a challenge I've seen, unfortunately, quite a lot in the public sector um, focused organisations. 
and 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 what we've seen is things like in healthcare, frontline healthcare, where actually nurses are stretched to their limits on admin. You know, automation can be a incredible alleviation of that admin, so they can spend more time with their their patients. You know, you talk about every public service organisation. You know, that's the pressure that they're under. That's how they're measured. But if you're asking them for their time to diagnose that challenge, they're either going to be a resistant to giving that information because of the concern of you know, jobs, um, or B, they're not actually going to give you the full picture. They're going to give you the fastest happy path they can remember around that process. So actually, when you think about task discovery, it's about a completely um, you know, unbiased uh, view of where those tasks are occurring so that you can actually then diagnose the best route to alleviate some of that burden. So it's a non-intrusive way of actually getting to the end product a lot faster than has typically been delivered. It's an interesting point I want to pick up there and kind of is there an element of Big Brother to all this? Completely, yeah. You know, the, the, uh, and there's a massive concern around that that is exactly the same as the concern that, that, that came with automation. The robots are coming to take our jobs. You know, Discovery Technology is watching my every move. Uh, and whilst I'd switch completely to how you mitigate that fear, that is a present fear. Okay, and the only way to counteract that is through clear communication with your, you know, your employees, with your customers, whoever it actually ultimately affects. Because the use of discovery technology is not necessarily for wholesale FTE cost savings. We all know the pressures public services are under to recruit. So actually, there's not a deficit there. It's actually just a workload challenge. Um, but if the counter argument is that we have to sit with you in every different office, north, south, east, west in the country to understand what you do or the nuances of your local systems or the way in which you interact with your process every day or the different filing systems, it's going to take you two years, three years to get to that, by which point the benefit has been eroded immediately by the cost of discovery. So the ability to discover wide scale opportunity for this is to give back time or to give back opportunity to the people that, that are on the front line, or actually even in the back office, processing stuff in a way that they don't want to do because it's manual, repetitive, time-consuming, brain-numbing, actually is the reason why a large number of them are leaving. Um, but it all comes back to comms plan. You know, if you set this out with a shroud of mystery around it, then everyone's going to be resistant to change, as they are in every industry sector, in every walk of life, because change is uncomfortable. Yeah, and, and ultimately you end up with this reduced time to better outcomes, which is what we want if yeah. you get it right. And I think, you know, you look at the pioneering organisations across all sectors, you know, they embrace the technology, they communicate clearly on what they want to achieve and why they want to achieve it. Yes, if there are any kind of negative connotations around that, they might want to set that out clearly, because if budgets are falling and people are already very aware of that, it's not as if the public sector is incredibly silent about any changes they need to make, they're, they're public knowledge. Uh, but ultimately, that then puts a level of discomfort into everyone's roles and, and, and whether they may see the next year or the year after. But actually, if it's about giving back hours to the business or about giving back capacity to that organisation, and that's clearly communicated, I think you look at those pioneering organisations and they really do deliver those change programmes far quicker and realise the value far quicker. So following on from, from what we've been discussing there, how do you handle the privacy concern uh, that, that the public sector has? We, we work with public sector, we work with private sector, but to give you an idea of some of the examples of what we've helped organisations achieve, you know, it, it, it comes in the form of things like throughput acceleration, it comes in the form of like user training to accelerate journeys, it comes in the form of, of, of just helping every organisation find a faster solution to a, to a challenge that they're evidently feeling because they will appoint it that. A couple of examples are 
with an organization we work with that have nearly a million employees and the payroll process to collect payroll data was taking between two weeks uh, to actually collect all that data ready for payroll, leaving very little time. We reduced that from two weeks down to two days in terms of automation, in terms of you know, um, actually training the user to use their systems better. Um, in a, a financial services organization that recognized revenue in their example, uh, when they actually finished the, in this case, mortgage application, that we actually managed to decrease by 50% in terms of the time. So as you can imagine, whilst this might be public funds in, in, in this example, the acceleration of being able to collect cash or do anything along those lines has an immense amount of, of, uh, of benefit that can be delivered back to the business in terms of how they can then be agile um, and service their, their citizen better. Yeah, I mean, it, it's something that we're actually very well accredited for. We, we, we're very proud to be you know, the most privacy aware and, and, and uh, secure organization that works in the space. And it's, it's down to our capture method, fundamentally. We don't use legacy technologies like uh, computer vision and OCR to capture data, which basically takes screenshots of every user interaction and exposes wide-scale security concerns. And often they're, they're very um, difficult to scale those types of technologies. You know, we're capturing data at a, a, a desktop level. But fundamentally, when we kick off a project, we first of all start with what is scoutable and what is unscoutable. So we remove from the scope any capture of any data whatsoever that exists in applications where you do not want to see any information. Where we then capture data, where we scout data on applications that may contain confidential patient, uh, customer, uh, citizen records, we have inbuilt PII scrubbers that will essentially address the complete masking of any data that might be captured through an, an end user's interaction with, with private records. Um, you know, the, the, the confidentiality and the, and the way in which we capture our data is really important. And that's typically something that when working with Agilisys, we'll spend a lot of time up front making sure that when we test, does not expose anything that would be considered PII. Um, but ultimately, we have extended routines where we can go even deeper into configuring you know, masking opportunities to, to, to remove all those things. Um, also, whilst it's a very technical response, screenshots are quite uh, valuable to things like process documentation. But we typically, if we see any concerns around exposing uh, any PII information, we'll just upload completely masked uh, screenshots for any documentation purposes, but turn off any screenshot capture to, for process step documentation as well. So again, I think we have most of that covered. Uh, but as always, we kind of approach each organization very differently. It's, it's worth talking about the direct parallel. So the, the public sector always has that type of concern for data protection in particular because it's one of the things that they, they know is uh, or are acutely aware that it can be uh, come back and bite them on the bum, shall we say, for, to do it for us more politely. But actually, Scout's being used by a number of fairly large banking organisations. Um, and the, the very fact that they can find and identify kind of CVV data, credit card numbers, all of that type of thing, means it's not trying to find its feet through public sector data. It's really taking all of the lessons they've learned, deploying their solution out throughout all of those markets, um, but being be, probably being for the first time being brought to the UK public sector and then applying it to ours. So starting from that blank page of, well, we don't collect anything unless you tell us to, we'll then build on that and then we can work from there. Fantastic. And that's a lovely segue into my next question for you, Chris, which is, uh, Sirocco and, and Scout is relatively new to the UK public sector. 
Are there any other case studies you can share from other sectors, other parts of the world, where this is truly transforming how services are delivered and operated, etc.? Yeah, so, so we're already operating in the public sector. Um, I think from a, a perspective of, of this podcast, I won't be sharing any names of, of the customers right now. Um, but when you think about the, um, the, the, the category in, as a whole, task mining or even work graph as we like, we're, we're trying to create in terms of the term, um, it is the most unbelievably new sector. So, you know, this is why we've invested heavily in education uh, in terms of creating academic learning opportunities. We're uh, issuing and creating lots of uh, playbooks that actually help any organisation, public or private, understand how to embed task mining within their business. Uh, but that's also why we're working with partners as a, as a primary route to market, because ultimately, you know, task mining needs to be landed within organisations that, that the people who are working within them implicitly understand how they work. They implicitly understand the goals of the people that lead that organization so that we can prioritize the work in, or in fact, where Scout is pointed at. Because you know, Scout isn't necessarily a tool that is used by organizations, or sorry, task mining isn't necessarily a, uh, a tool that's used by organizations that have no goal as to what it's going to achieve. They're typically pointing it, and I think Austin said earlier on, at very common areas around shared services, finance, HR, all the common well-trod areas where RPA has been very successful. Um, but actually, fundamentally, because we can capture everything, both upstream, downstream, and, 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 uh, uh, and where it exists, um, you know, task mining can actually be used really wide, but it does need that focus. It does need that understanding of where it needs to be pointed to give ultimate value. But sorry, going back to the question, you know, it is still such a new sector that actually organizations need to learn how to embed the technology within their business before they then go on a scaling journey. And we learned that very early on. I think long gone are the days where you know, selling an enterprise-wide ERP tool or CRM tool is, is, is immediately bought and just deployed without any further thinking. You know, we go through exceptional proof of concept, proof of value, even trial examples with customers just to really understand what it can do in a very small um, contained uh, way, just so that we can actually help organizations find that glide path to when they can ultimately deploy that wider. And I think that's, that's really important that you know, us as a technology company, but also uh, Agilisys as a partner, can understand that they're not trying to go and sell a, a, a piece of technology to you know, every single person that sits in that organization on day one and hope what comes back is something tangible. Actually, it's a, it's a very guided, incredibly well-defined journey that we take everyone on together. It's worth, worth expanding on that as well, because it talks to where we're trying to position with, with, with our kind of customers and um, ultimately, their citizens R really. Where there, there's no such thing as a proof of concept discovery, like in, in in the old sense of the word. Partly because you would require an army of people with clipboards, and you would just arrive in another department of doing it. It's incredibly expensive, um, and incredibly time intensive. Being able to do that with a software tool um, is genuinely game changing for the public sector because that means not not only can they understand all of the kind of PII, GDPR data implications that we just talked about, but then people can really get used to it. So if we're taking them through that change journey of why it's going to be implemented, what the type of thing we're looking for, what the insights will be as a result of being able to look at that, I'm doing it at a far more cost-effective point um, of entry to then worry about before we can then get through scale. Um, that, that really, for me, is genuinely talking about value for money in the public purse which means that they then get the richness and back to that kind of fidelity of insight of what they want to be able to do and see 
of, of what's happening within their organization without any estimation or guesswork or kind of finger in the air which would be the traditional way of getting metrics from workshops would be hey come in tell me what you think we'll probably get you to sign it off um, but there's no real guarantee that that is exactly what's happening in your organization this removes that um, be it barrier or genuine thing that tends to happen which means for the first time your project and programs can be delivered on this is what we actually saw happening in your business with your people and your teams. We saw what applications they were doing and what tasks and how long and how many. Um, and we saw those interactions from system to system. And why did you start in that line of business system and end up in that one? Well, because there might be functionality in one that you can do it. And this comes back to the, it's not just about finding uh, automation opportunities. It's about how can we help inform your actual understanding of your estate to say well actually you could just upgrade that and remove that piece of software that you no longer need it could be that actually we need to digitize your front end that allow you to interact in a different way that would allow you to have more downstream uh, understanding of what's going on because we can see that all of these things are being triggered over here um, it could be that we hit we see where a blocker has been with a particular service or application that is lacking in functionality and allows you to direct investment accordingly the, the myriad of things that it opens up at that point is quite good fun for us. Brilliant. So final question then, if you could make a significant difference to any part of the public sector that we work with, what would it be? So so, so for me, when you think about the, um, the public sector organisations, we interface them every day. Yep. Your local council, the HMRC, you know, uh, all of those organisations are, are people we're very familiar with the processes as being a citizen. Uh, but there's also the frustrations you hear from from things that we can all talk about that that um, that we see every day. Um, for me, it's around making sure that understanding the customer journey is one of the or the citizen journey is one of the fundamental north stars that every organisation aims to improve. Nina, and I'm putting you on the spot with the same question. So, from my perspective, I'd love to see most of the UK public sector organisations adopting automation. The sector is extremely slow to adopt, even though time and time again, the benefits have been evidenced across all sectors. Where organizations are already stretched, we know that automation has the potential to alleviate pressure and make them more effective. And on top of that, it's a quick win. But in order for that to happen, our customers first need to see the potential within their organizations. And we believe that Scout can provide the insight needed for them to be empowered to make those better decisions. So in partnership with Sirocco, we hope to be t talking to a lot more clients and taking them on their insight and automation journey. Fantastic, and the final words with you, Simon. Um, for, for me, and I, I mentioned right at the start, we spent a lot of time talking to a lot of providers as to why uh, and which one to partner with. And we were very deliberate in our choice, um, partly because of the reputation we've earned within the public sector, partly because of when we talk about the partners that we work with and why we choose to work with them for our customers, that, that makes a big difference. We, we, we've been delighted with not only Chris, but the entire team at Sirocco in terms of what they've been able to show us, what they've been able to teach us, what we've been, they've been able to impart to um, the customers that we're already having conversations with about these technologies. I think for me, the ideal outcome would be um, seeing some of those things being crystallized and people to understanding i want to have the conversations about pi scrubbers and what we can and can't do and what about because because to me those are the ones where we can actually then start to actually 
um, address, overcome, help people to understand um, and get them started on the trajectory of being able to understand exactly what's happening in their organization. We, we, we had the moment crystallized wonderfully throughout the kind of COVID-19 pandemic of people being asked to understand what their teams were doing with their work. Um, and the answer routinely was, we think they do this. And it was a list of tasks pr predominantly. Um, and actually it was inevitably found to be false. We were finding that people were working from home for the first time and they were under pressure to then find out why certain things weren't happening and why and why timelines might be slipping or what, why capacity isn't quite where it would be. And it wasn't that these people were working from home and suddenly become unproductive. It was because the focus of, well, these are your primary activities and the things that we think you should be spending the most of your time doing weren't actually everything that made up that person's job. Um, and therefore they were trying to do everything they were being asked of them and everything they knew they had to do to make the citizens experience better to to do all those things that Chris kind of alluded to which is because some people interact with these services so rarely when we when they do it's a real moment of truth which says either I have a positive impression of my council my hospital my police force um, or actually I, I become a, a naysayer of oh it's um, not the greatest service or I wish it was or Amazon does this better or what anything like that when actually if, if we can find and identify those bottlenecks and imperfections and training opportunities now being driven internally rather than when a customer shouts about it, but that, that, that just leads to far more satisfied people in general um, and allows us to then have far more fun in terms of talking to customers about um, what they want to be doing with the additional capacity that creates. Where do they want to go and uh, spend more time and more resources if that's driving their carbon neutral agenda or, or making sure they've got more people on the front line or helping answer those um, pressing call, phone calls that are coming in or just um, putting a more public face on frontline services that that to me is the ideal outcome brilliant well said simon i think we can all agree with with that so chris nina simon thank you for sharing some fantastic insights it's clear clearly an exciting partnership and i can't wait to uh, to be here with you in a year's time discussing some case studies and, and positive outcomes with you. To our listeners, thank you for tuning into this latest episode of the Agilities podcast. I hope you found the discussion as interesting and informative as I did. If you would like to discuss any of the points raised today, please do get in touch via our website at www.agilisys.co.uk. There you will also find loads more thought leadership regarding automation and its positive impact across the public sector. Further episodes from this series can be found wherever you get your podcasts, including a selection that delve into how Agilisys has used automation with success across healthcare and local government. Once again, thanks for joining us and I look forward to welcoming you back very soon.